Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Amen. Uh, Take a seat and turn to your neighbor and say, get ready for something different this morning. All right, well, I, I'm, uh, I'm really thankful to be able to worship, and I, I don't know, just, just being here together and just being able to worship and just come before God, even through this fast, I know many of us, like, we're struggling, and how many of us are struggling? It's okay to raise your hand. Okay, none of us are struggling. Everyone's doing really well. Um, but through the fast, we're struggling. We're going through different things. We had a really, really great time and encounter together, and I just felt like a lot of people were able to wrestle through some with uh, God. And I'm really praying that with the last, you know, four or five days or so of the fast, that we're going to be able to continue to persevere and endure, uh, no matter how hard it gets, because God ultimately is worth it more than anything else. So uh, I just want to encourage us with that. There's only a couple more days left. And uh, as you persevere through, I really believe God is going to speak to us. Amen? Amen. Okay, no one's agreeing today. (laughs) Amen. All right, amen. All right. So today, um, what I want to do is go through Hebrews 4.12, so you can turn your Bibles to that. And we're going to make it a little bit more interactive today. And uh, like Joanna mentioned earlier, you can actually reference to the resources in the mobile app, and it'll be pretty important for you to do that so that you can follow along with some of the verses, as well as there are some resources in there. Because today, as we talk about going deeper in God's Word, Uh, We're really going to need to get deeper with Him. And it's not going to be just by our own ingenuity, by our own strength, or by our own ability. But I also want to equip you with different resources and tools that will help you actually leverage and develop a deeper relationship with God through His Word. And so if you go in the mobile app uh, with the notes and things like that, there will be verses there. There's also a couple different PDF resources available for different tools for how to study the Bible, whether it's using... Uh, different Bible tools like Blue Letter Bible, whether it's study Bibles, uh, or different structural relationships that will help you to really go deeper in God's Word. So you can uh, take a look at that later uh, and start with that. But today what I want to start with is as we talk about going deeper with God's Word, um, how many, we have a love-hate relationship with God's Word, with the Bible, right? We have a, we have a love-hate relationship. Like on one hand, like we, we know it's important. But then on the other hand, you, like, you get really bored by it, you know? And on one side, like, you come and you hear a sermon, you're like, oh, my God, God's Word is constantly, like, bashing me over the head. Like, why is it so critical of me? And on the other side, you, you keep all these promises, like, oh, man, I, I need God's Word so much. It's so reassuring, you know, like, for the plans I have for you to prosper and to make you a great nation, you know, things like that. We, we have this love-hate relationship with God's Word. Sometimes we love it. Sometimes we hate it. And some of us, We use God's Word to help us to fall asleep, okay? Don't get me wrong. I know what this is, and I do it sometimes, right? Like, you're you're having trouble going to sleep, and you're like, hmm, what's the best way to get me bored and tired so I can fall asleep? And what do you do? You you turn on the audio Bible next to you, and you're like, within 10 minutes, you're like, out, right? Some of us, we do that. And so I know we all have different views or perspective of God's Word, and so to be able to get a little bit of a crowdsourced idea of what our relationship with God's Word is. I wanted to do a, a quick poll. We're going to use a Mentimeter for that. 
and you're going to need to take out your phones, open a browser, go to menti.com. And I know I heard for some people the, the internet uh, cell data might be a little bit spotty, so just be patient. Uh, try to load it. If you really, really cannot, after you try a few times, then just do it with a person next to you, and then like somehow combine your answers, OK? <laughs> All right, combine your answers. Use that link, bit.ly slash 19 January 2020. And if you're close enough, you can scan the QR code as well. All right? And then we'll go to menti.com. And then I'm going to give you six questions. And it's all, it's all going to be about reading God's word, reading the Bible, our habits, our beliefs, and our views in that. OK? So can I get a show of hands? How many of you are there and ready? You're logged in? OK? Good. All right, we're still waiting on a couple people. And most of these questions are going to be uh, on a scale of 1 to 10. There's one question that's going to be multiple choice. So just answer as honestly as you can. And don't take like 20 seconds to think about it. Like, hmm, you know? Like, just whatever first comes to mind, just pick that as your answer and we'll move on. And hopefully, you get an idea of what we're doing. Okay, so can we go to the first question? Also, the link is available in the sermon notes. So if you have the sermon notes available, you can't get to the link. You just click that link, and it'll be there. All right? OK. Uh, we're going to go and start off with uh, the questions, the first one. All right, first question here. Ready? I believe reading the Bible every day is essential to Christian life. I believe reading the Bible every day is essential to Christian life. Let's see. Wow, OK. 9.5, 9.1, 8 9.9, 8 it just keeps going down, okay? We have the first people who instinct are like, yes, it is, and then we have a couple who are saying not so much. But mostly, it's, a, it's, it's at high nine, right? High nine, so I would say most of us agree that reading the Bible every single day is essential to Christian life, right? We have about 65. I don't know how many people we have, but let's just say once we get to 70, we'll move on to the next question, all right? So if you miss out, too bad. Second question. I know what the SOAP method to reading the Bible is and can confidently use it on my own. I know what the SOAP method to reading the Bible is and can confidently use it on my own. OK. Well, I'm blessed, OK? Can, can we give our church a hand? Praise God. I'm blessed. We have an 8.3 with about almost 80 responses. For those of you who don't know what SOAP is, it's just a framework for reading the Bible on a daily basis. SOAP stands for Scripture, O is Observation, A is Application, P is Prayer. Okay, So you just go through those four things every single day, read the Bible, and really believing that that's going to help us understand God and His Word better. If you don't know, if you've never done it before, I want to encourage you, find someone who does. There's you know, 80, like 8.3 times 78% times that many people who know. So find one of those people and ask them. Okay, next question is how frequently do you read the Bible? Okay, now this is where it's getting real. How frequently do you read the Bible? Don't worry, it's anonymous. I won't be able to know who reads the Bible how often, okay? So, wow, okay. So we have 34 people and growing, 36 people who read it every day, 28 or 30 people every two to four days, five people every five to seven days, one person once every other week. 
I don't know, how do you do that? Do you like time it? Like every other week, okay, now it's time to read the Bible. Or just like happens like that. Um, or once in a while, a couple of us once in a while. And that's okay, because we're all at different levels in our spiritual growth or our faith or our walk with God. Or, you know, many of us, some of us might be uh, pre-Christian. We might be searching or looking for God or wanting to know who He is, and that's just kind of where we're at. So this is great. Praise God. Okay, next question. I feel that listening to sermons or reading articles is a better way to understand the Bible than reading the Bible itself. Okay, I know some of us, we, have, we know what, quote-unquote, the right answer is, but I want you to answer honestly. Okay, answer honestly. So I feel that listening to sermons or reading articles is a better way to understand the Bible than reading the Bible itself. We have 62, almost 70 responses. Okay, all right, we're at uh, uh, close to the middle, but slightly closer to, yes, we do feel like listening to sermons or reading articles is actually a better way to understanding the Bible which is common, and in some ways it makes sense, because many of us, when we read Scripture, like, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of us, you read Leviticus and Numbers, and you're like, oh my God, what is this talking about? I have no idea. Why are all these jewels there? Why are all these animals there? And why are they all dying, right? It's like, doesn't make any sense. Okay, and the last two questions. Ready? Next one. I'm able to study one passage for hours and enjoy it. I'm able to study one passage for hours and enjoy it. <laughs> oh, it started out really high and then jumped down, right? Someone's a Bible nerd here. All right, most of us are like, nah, not really. <laughs> the Bible's so boring, I fall asleep within the first 10 minutes of doing that. Okay, we are at 73. All right, last question we have. This one, this is my favorite question. I believe I can study the Bible deep enough to write a sermon. Okay, wait. Let me explain this. I'm not expecting you to give the sermon because I know some of us are terrified of public speaking. But I'm asking if you feel confident enough that you feel like you can actually write the notes that will go into the sermon. That means you can study the Bible deep enough so that you can come up with the content that goes in the sermon. I'm not asking you to give it, but how many of you feel confident you can actually study the Bible deep enough to create the content to write a sermon? All right, okay. I, I, I don't know what's going on here. Like, we have a couple people who are like, yes, I can, 100%. I don't know, some of you have written sermons before. Like, what does three mean? You feel like 3%, 30% confident, like you can write 30% of a sermon? Like I, don't, like, I don't know what that is. But praise the Lord, many of you are honest. You're like, nope, I cannot at all, okay? Um, how about we have the person who answered it at the top come up and then give the sermon today, yeah? I'm <laughs> just kidding. Praise God. Uh, let's give everyone a hand, yeah? <clears throat> you know, it's interesting for many of us just the way that we interact with God's Word because understandably, it is hard. And when we think about the Bible, the Bible is a huge volume of text written over across hundreds of years, right, from so many different authors. And sometimes, depending on what translation you read, uh, some of the text is so hard to understand, so, so difficult to get into. And while many of us, we grow up in the church and we believe, you know, it's really important. Some of us, we, we do it, we try it, but it really doesn't impact us the way that we are hoping to. And so after some time, what, we get jaded or 
just becomes another routine. And so today, we wanted to dig into God's word to really figure out, like, God, what is, what is so important? What is so great about your word? Why is it so essential to our Christian life for us from the Bible without a pastor having to preach at you? Why? Because I fundamentally believe, and this is, some, I don't know, a passage and a topic that I'm so passionate about is that God's word is so essential to life. And without it, that we have nothing else in our faith, in Christianity. And if you've never, ever read the Bible in that way, I hope that you can discover how good it is. And I want to show you what that actually looks like. First, I want to give us a couple verses that will give us some understanding of what the Bible says about itself, about God's word itself, right? And so where do we look to God's word? We see what it says about itself. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 to 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So God's word is helpful for training, for development, for helping us grow as people. James 1.22, we, we, a lot of us quote this word, right? Like when you see someone doing something bad and you're like, be doers of the word, you know? Don't just say something, do it. And that here is only deceiving yourself. So it's something that we ought to put into practice. Um, Matthew 4.4, 4, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I, I think for many of us, like we're fasting, we're like, Lord, how is this true, right? Like, how is this true? I'm not living and I'm dying right now. But somehow, God's word is life itself for us. There's some kind of nourishment that God's word gives to us. I'm going to keep going. Three more verses. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. If you don't know what this word means, ask any young man, okay? I'm not going to go into it. You figure it out on your own, okay? Um, Joshua 1.8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So it's not just the New Testament, but also the Old Testament. They valued God's word, and in those times they called it the book of the law. Lastly here, Ephesians 6, 19. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so the word of God is also important for us to even do spiritual battle. Like some of us, we're going through hard times. It is the word of God that reminds us, that, that helps us to go through every struggle, every difficult, every spiritual battle that is out there. And so just from these collections of verses, we realize, you know what? There's so many different uses of God's word. There's such a breadth of what God wants to do through his word that we cannot ignore it. We cannot ignore it because it's essential to every part of our Christian life. I wanted to read one last verse before we get into the main passage. Hebrews 5, verse 12 through 14. It says, You have been believers so long that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature through training and have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. And so in this passage, the encouragement, well, he's kind of like criticizing people. He's like, you're like a baby, and the way you treat the word, the way you treat God's instructions 
is like you need it to be processed, you know? You need someone to like chew up the word for you, spit it back out so that you can eat it and understand it. But it's because you're still immature, even though you've been Christian for so long. And my hope is that all of us here as we're developing, and I know that many of us, some of us, we just received Christ like a couple months ago, you know? Like a couple of us, we got baptized less than two months ago. Praise God, that's awesome. And so you're just learning to discover God's word, which is great. Some of us, we've been reading God's word for years, three, four, five, six, ten years or so. And we're still needing spiritual milk. Why? Because we never learn to chew on God's word for ourselves. And then if that's the case, then we will never grow to maturity. We will never become the mature Christians that we aspire and we hope to be. And so that's what we want to do this morning. As I want to teach you how to chew on God's word how to dissect it, how to understand it, how to go into it in a deep way. And so the reason why I said things are going to be different this morning is because I'm going to take a passage and I'm going to study it in front of you. And we're actually going to go through it together instead of just having the typical sermon format where we have like verses and things like that. I wanted this to be interactive so that you can actually take a passage, dissect it, and see how we discern and get different insights out of the Bible so you can experience God for yourself. So I'm going to ask the hospitality team to pass out a couple sheets. Um, what you want to do is, during this time, actually, can we also have the iPad up? <coughs> Technology is going to be great. And so I'm going to be marking up here, uh, as well as challenging you to use your brain and actually try to study God's word. And uh, we're going to keep it simple. We're going to cover one verse, Hebrews uh, Chapter 4, verse 12, okay? So hopefully you get all the sheets of paper there. And then on the sheet of paper, what you'll notice is that there is just one passage, and it's kind of divided up into kind of four or five different phrases or trunk, chunks. And so what I want you to do is actually take that, and I'm going to give you uh, about like five, six minutes or so to actually study and mark it up on your own. Because as I teach you, I want you to experience it. I want you to try it for yourself. I want you to kind of figure out, like, how, why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult? And, and experience it for yourself. And then after you experience it for yourself, then we'll go through it together to really dig into this passage. So are we able to see this? Okay. So what, what I'm going to do is here's the, here's the passage here. And hopefully you can see it. I think it might be on the monitor. So for those of you who are in the back, you can see it a little bit better. But you can see verse 12 is right here. And uh, what I want you to do is I want you to break it up into two sections, these two sections right there. And in those two sections, I want you to focus on the first section, just that first phrase, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Just focus on that section first. And I want you to do whatever you can. Just mark it up, highlight, circle, underline things. Try to say, God, I want to know the meaning of this passage. I want to understand the meaning of what you're trying to say to me. What I want you to do right now is go ahead, spend about, I'm going to give you a total of five or six minutes. So the first three minutes or so, read it through, mark it up on your own. And then the second three minutes, then I want you to turn to the person next to you and trade notes. Okay, this is where cheating is allowed, all right? And more cheating, the better, because you can help one another discover insights from God's word. Okay, so go ahead, spend about, uh, Three minutes first on your own, and then after about three minutes, then I'll cue you, and then turn to your neighbor and try to trade notes and really share some of the insights you came up with, okay? So go ahead.
Right, you have about 20 more seconds, so it's okay if you are confused, you're really not sure what to do, that's fine, this is great, this is just the start. And if some of you have different cross-references, other verses in the Bible that come to mind that you feel like relate to the passage, that's great, write those down, look those up. And so in about 10 seconds, what I want you to do, turn to your neighbor, look at them and say, hey, can I cheat off you? And then share notes, all right? Share notes, and then after about two to three minutes, then we'll come back together. So go ahead and turn to your neighbor. All right, you have about one minute left. One minute left. Try to wrap up your conversations and we'll come back together. Say your last sentence and then if I can get everyone's attention back up here, that'll be great. All right, okay. How many of you was hard? Show of hands, it was hard. Okay, how many of you was easy? Okay, no one's here. Okay. Um, I would, I would guess to believe that, I mean, I only gave you six minutes in total, right? And three of those were being able to talk and share with one another. But I would wager to believe that 
even with that amount of time, even, even though this is just a phrase, you know, just looking into it, uh, maybe some, there are some insights that came out, but it, it's quite difficult to be able to understand, like, what is this really saying beyond the surface level of what we normally believe? Because uh, if, if we look at this verse, this passage, Hebrews 4.12 is, is, is a verse that maybe some of us have heard many times, and many of us have used this verse to tell someone else, you've got to read your Bible, right? For the Word of God is living and active, is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and then you're wondering, but what does that mean? And we don't really know. And so what we want to do today is really go through together what that talks about. And so I'm going to be using um, just different colors to signify different things and trying to go through like how it is that I would actually look through a passage to discern and understand what the meaning of that word is. So let's, uh, let's read it all together, shall we, first? And then we'll get into it. Ready? For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So when we first look at this passage, there's a couple things that we need to understand. Uh, when, when we first look at that word, for, when we get into it, this is, this is in the middle of some kind of passage. You, you don't start a complete thought with the word for. Right? For signifies that something came before that, because it's, a, it's either causation or it's purpose or, or some related thing that's there. And so what we need to do is understand what is the context of what this passage is saying. So in order to find out what the context is, we have to look above the passage before this passage actually states. So here on the left side, I have the passage here, Hebrews 4, and this is verse 12 highlighted there. And I'm not sure if you can see it exactly, but you can try to follow along. And we see in verse 11, right before it, it says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So there's a warning. We see that it's a warning to enter the rest and so that you don't fall by disobedience. Well, that's not really helpful at all because what is rest and what is the disobedience that we're looking for. So sometimes instead of just looking at the first verse, you have to look even farther back to see what the context is. So if we look a little bit farther back, we look at verses 8 and 9 and 10. What do we see? We see the fact that Joshua, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So, so he's referring to the rest that the promised land that the Israelites were going to go into. That was their rest, because they were in the wilderness for 40 years. They were tired. They were hungry. So he was saying the promised land was their rest, but he's saying this is not the rest that we're talking about. It's not the promised land for the Israelites, but it's another day later on that remains for the people of God. What is that ultimate rest? Well, perhaps what it's referring to is eternal life. It's referring to the eternal rest that we will have with God. Well, okay, so if that's what rest is referring to, then what is this disobedience talking about? Well, let's keep on looking a little bit farther back. And if we see uh, some of these verses, verses 1 and verse 2, we see what? It's this promise of entering his rest still stands. Let us fear lest any of you should seem to feel failed to reach it. So it's, again, the same warning we saw in verse 11 and verse 2. For the good news came to us, 
just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who lessened. So what are some things that we see here? There's some good news that came. It was a message. And the problem with why they did not enter the rest was what? They didn't have faith. Or they didn't believe. They had unbelief. So we, get, we don't have the full picture. We don't know exactly how everything ties together. But we understand that there's something about trying to enter into God's rest, the eternal life, that you can only do if you obey God. But the only way that you can obey God is what? If you have faith. Or the opposite is if you don't have some kind, some kind of unbelief. And so what we need then is verse 12. They begin to talk about the word of God is in order to overcome that unbelief, in order to overcome that disobedience, we need the Word of God. So let's look into what is this Word of God here. And one thing that we notice right away when we study this passage is, you know, I, I think when you really study the Bible deeply, like really words that are, you seem like so insignificant, all of a sudden jump out. They become really powerful. And when I'm reading this, I'm looking at the word is. The word is is, is really significant because what? It's describing everything else that this passage is talking about, right? The Word of God is the subject, the main subject of this whole passage, and everything else describes the Word of God. So everything else, living, active, sharper, piercing, discerning, it's all describing what? The Word of God. And, and, and sometimes when you look at a passage, you don't just look at the words, but you also look at the structure. So if it's describing the Word of God, how is it describing? Are there any similarities between the words that are in there? Well, if I look at the first part, living and active sharper, what are these things? Well, these are characteristics of God, or characteristics of the Word of God. Sorry, my squiggle is really nasty. Characteristics, right? What's the second part? What are these things? Well, they're uses or purposes. So very quickly, we see that the author is trying to communicate to us what the Word of God is like, and then secondly, what is used for? What are the purposes of this word? So let's dig into this first part that you just studied and look into what characteristics of the word of God have. So well, when I think about the word of God, sometimes we, we throw around the word of God, but what does the word of God actually mean? Sometimes I, I actually don't know. So when I study the passage, I actually ask the question, what is this? Is it good news? like we saw in verse 1 to 2? Is it the message? Is it God's voice? Those are all good questions that you can even write down as you study the passage and look into a little bit later. So let's continue on in the next couple of verses or next couple of words and see if we can discover anything else. It says, the word of God is living and active. Living and active. Those are very interesting phrases to describe word of God. Or, or Bible, or message. How, how can a, a message be living or active? Well, one thing that's helpful to do is also to look at different translations of the word in different, uh, different translations of the Bible. So on the left side here, I, one thing that I want to encourage you to do is I want to try to help you use some simple tools. All I'm going to do is use version and BibleGateway.com. Okay? You, you, like, you don't need all the complex tools like study Bibles or like 
blue letter Bible or like interlinear Bible where you discover like the Greek or Hebrew. You don't need all of that kind of stuff. You just need like version and Bible Gateway. And so I'm going to use version, and I'm going to scroll down to verse 12. And there's a, if you click on a verse, there's a nifty tool at the bottom that ha- says compare. And when you compare, it actually bring up that verse in multiple different translations. And you can add or subtract translations as you wish uh, at the bottom right. But I'm just going to use ESV, NLT, Message, Amplified, ERV, NSB, and NIV. Okay, we're not going to go through all of it, but I'm just going to pick a couple to say, okay, what are some of the differences? Okay? I know you can't see it, but you can look it up on your phone or just listen as I talk through it. So this word living, let's look at it in a couple different translations. This word living in the NIV, what does it say? If anyone has looked it up. Alive. Okay, living, alive, it does, it's not that much different. Okay, uh, active, the word active, what are some of the translations, let's say, in the NLT? Powerful. How about in the N- New Century version, if some of you can see that? Um, is it here? In the New Century version, it says, working. So there's something about this word that is not just living and active, but to give us a little bit deeper insight, it's living, it's active, it's alive, it's powerful, it's working. So there's something about God's word that is working. It has some kind of force behind it. There's something more to it that maybe we don't see from the first glance. Well, what does it mean for a word to be alive or or living? Uh, and this is where sometimes if you've read the Bible um, and, and you have a, a decent knowledge of it, you can start to think of cross-references or you can start to see other verses that relate to it. So one thing that, as I'm thinking, okay, how is the Word of God alive? What comes to mind? There's a verse in John, and I'm going to bring this up here. I'm going to use BibleGateway.com. And one way that you can look up cross-references is there's a nifty tool here, the little gear icon in the top right. And if you click that, there's this button that says cross-references. And there's certain translations that have more cross-references than others, like ESV, NIV, Amplified, they have more cross-references than some of the other translations. And if you click it on and off, then these little letters will appear in the verse, and when you click on them, let's let's click on active, you'll see different cross-references that come up. We'll see if it comes up, if my internet is is working. But the cross-references will come up and show you different passages there that are related to that word. And so what, what do we see right here? We see Jeremiah. We see Jeremiah 23, 29. What does it say? Oh, 29. My word is like fire. Sorry if you cannot read my handwriting. First Thessalonians. What does it say? It says, we thank God constantly for this, that you receive the word which you, and then the later, the rest of the verse says, uh, it's at work in those of you who believe. It's working in those of you who are believers. And so we begin to see some things there that we didn't see before. One other thing is you might have different verses that come to mind, even though it's not a cross-reference, that relate to the verse that comes up. So when I think of the Word of God, how it's alive, it's living, this verse John 1 comes up. And if I look into it, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. 
And some of us, we've heard this verse before. We know it's referencing to whom? To Jesus. So the word who's alive is actually a reference to Jesus, who is alive, who is not only, it's not just a text, but it's a person. It's a person that does something. He has action. He's, He's powerful. A couple other verses that come to mind, Genesis 1, verse 3. What does that verse say? And God said, what? Let there be light. So God spoke, and creation happened. And Genesis 1, it keeps going where God speaks his word. And then all these things come to be. All the creation, all the animals, all the heavens, all the earth. It comes to be because God spoke. And then one more verse that came to mind. uh, Isaiah 55, verse 11. It says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So he's saying this word, it does something and it goes somewhere and it will not return to me empty. It won't, it will not fail in its purpose or its mission. It, it, it will accomplish that which I sent it out for. So it won't return empty. That means there's something that it does. That means there's something that it's powerful for. That means there's something that it accomplishes. And and oftentimes we don't see God's word like this. We don't see God's word, how it's so powerful, how it's so wonderful, how it's so active in so many ways. let's, Let's finish this phrase before I talk about more what this means. We see the word sharper. Sharper than any. And whenever you, you, you have these kind of phrases, you want to dig into, what does this mean? What, is, what does it mean for something to be sharper than any? Well, that means anything else, any two-edged sword, any other kind is sharper than that. That means it's the sharpest two-edged sword that's out there. So that means, in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking, well, it's, it's more precise. It's more dangerous. It's more effective. more able than anything else. That means its abilities, its effectiveness, its power is beyond any other two-edged sword. And that question is, why two-edged sword? Well, what is a sword? It's an offensive weapon. And I don't know why it's a two-edged sword, and there might be some things that you don't fully understand and you don't get into the deep unless you meditate on it for a long time. But right now, all I know, at the, at the minimum, I know that it's an offensive weapon that is more precise, more dangerous, more effective, more able, more powerful than anything else that's there. And <clears throat> can I just take a moment just to expound on this? Like, I don't know how many of us, we really believe that God's word is powerful in this way. That God's word is actually active, living, that, that it could create things out of nothing, that, that it, can, it, it will go out and do something, it will come back and it will accomplish its purpose, that it is at work in every single one of us. That it's like fire, you know, it like burns things, it's like a hammer that can, it's a physical thing that it can affect the physical realm, it can affect us, and it's in the person of Jesus. You know, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I was thinking about, like, if, if, if I was holding, like, a nuclear weapon, like, if I, if I gave this to you, this is a nuclear weapon. How would you treat it? <laughs> okay, I, you throw it and then you would die, right? You would, like, but if someone gave you a nuclear weapon, you wouldn't be like, 
oh, okay, all right, there we go. Like, you, you, you would handle it carefully. You'd be like, oh, my gosh, like, what am I going to do with this? Like, what can I, how, uh, you, you would start to freak out, right? But if, if you were the only one who could be entrusted with it, what would you do? You would guard it with your life. Like, you would set up, like, 24-hour security, right? Like, who cares about the Hong Kong security that's out there? You would, like, have, like, millions of people in, like, a silo underground. You would put it there and make sure no one ever touches it, right? Like, something so powerful in that sense, you would do something different than, what we, than, than the way we handle God's word. And this is, this is the sad part, is we do not treat God's word this way. And, uh, of course, God's word is not a nuclear weapon, it's far more precise and more targeted and more effective than that. But just thinking about the power that's, that's in here, like, do we handle it that way? Do we treat it that way? <clears throat> like, when we read our Bible reading plan, our daily soap, like, I, I feel like some of us, we just, like, get on our phones or, like, on the MTR or whatever, like, oh, okay, that's good. All right, cool. Send it out, beep, to my WhatsApp groups. Send it to as many people as I possibly can. And then check, I did my BRP, I did my SOAP, and then you forget about it for the rest of the day. Like, don't raise your hand how many of us are like that. It's just another task to do on your checklist. It's not a nuclear, it's not a powerful thing, it's just another reminder in your phone. All right, or, or sometimes when we go to life group and we're doing Bible study, right? We're in your huddle groups and your life group leader like, okay, sure, personally, this is going to be a great time. Hopefully the word transforms you and you're like, oh yeah, it's transforming me. And then you sit there like, okay, I'm going to share like the superficial things that I normally share and, you know, it's going to be the same old thing. And then you leave Bible study and you're like, oh, okay, that was great. And there's nothing in you where it's like, wow, this is an opportunity to experience the power of God, the goodness of God. He's going to do something. It's active. It's living. It's working. If God's word can create all of creation, then can he not do something in our lives? every single time you open up his word and read it. Do we believe that? Like, way back when, I think about eight, eight years ago, I was on a missions project, um, and one of the core parts of the missions project was training and learning how to follow God. And, and I want to encourage some of you who are still thinking about missions. Like, it was such a formative, creative process for my followership of God. I learned so much. And one of the core units of that missions project was uh, learning how to study the Bible. And the pastor, it was actually Pastor Andrew from HMC to Jakarta, he was leading the team. And he, he said something really interesting. He said, you know what, like by the end of this training session, I want you to be able to study a passage so you can get the same insights that I do when I share my sermons. And I was like, there's no way, there's no way that can happen. You know, I'm like, I'm like a, I was a year two student. I'm like, I don't know anything about the Bible. And like, there was such a big difference between when I studied the Bible on my own and when I sat in the... Every time I'll come to Sunday, I don't know, it was like another retreat. I was like, oh, my God, like, how did you discover that? You know, it was like, ah. And so he, he went through, like, an inductive Bible study process which taught us how to study the Word, which is not so different than what I'm going with you through today. And, and I don't know, just something about... Like, we didn't spend, like, five minutes on it. We spent hours on a passage, pen and paper, making notes, sharing with one another, looking up cross-references, studying it, going deeper. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, it just clicked one day when we finished studying a pastor, and I was like, wow. Like, I felt like I had just sat through a sermon, but there was no pastor, there was no preacher. It was just me and the Word. And it was so good, and I was like, this is amazing. Like, there's nothing I've experienced like this. And 
<laughs> I don't know how many of us we, we know that the power of the word is not in the preacher. It's not in the pastor. It's not in the person delivering the word. The power of the word is in the word itself. And I don't know how many of us we believe that. The way that we study it, we look at it, and we, we, it's, it's like this jewel. There's like gold nuggets inside that are just waiting to jump out to us, to speak to us, to say there's life here. And, I, and I, the reason why I'm, I'm so passionate about this is because I've experienced it myself. That there's nothing like God's word. Like no matter what comes up, no matter what, God's word is always there. It will always be my foundation. It will always be that power that helps me to get through anything and everything that I can possibly go through. That's what I'm hoping we can experience and discover. And I'm praying that, man, some of you are going through rough times. Some of you are, are just like so jaded and so dull by like the BRP or by your soaps or you're just kind of going through the motions. I want to I challenge you. Get into God's word to discover that it's powerful. It could do something. It could affect change in your life. That's, those are the characteristics. God's word is so powerful. That is so good. And let's move on to that second section. And we talk about now the uses or the purposes. So again, I want to give you just a couple minutes uh, on your own and then share with the neighbor next to you of just write through it on your own, dig through it on your own, that second section here, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Go through that. Work through it. I'll just give you a couple minutes, like two minutes uh, for your own study, two minutes to discuss it, and then we'll finish with that second section. So go ahead. I know it's just a short amount of time, but go ahead and turn to your neighbor and just share some of the insights that you have.
All right, about 30 seconds left. 30 seconds left, try to wrap up your last thoughts and we'll come back together. Okay, let's come back together. And can I get a show of hands? How many of you found cross-references this time? There were a couple of verses that came to mind. Okay, handful of you. Okay, good. So I, I just wanted to do this to give you an opportunity just to practice, to exercise. And I'm hoping that this week you will actually go back, try this on your own when you have a little bit longer of a time. We're limited here because we have you know, a certain amount of time we can be here. But to go on your own and just spend like an hour, two hours, just really digging through a passage and looking through it. So as we start and we look at the second half, we realize the first part is what? About the characteristics of God's Word. The second part is now we're looking into the uses or the purposes of God's Word. So let's look. Uh, there's two words, two main words that describe the purposes. What is piercing and discerning. Piercing and discerning. And so what, let's look again. Anytime we're like, okay, what does piercing mean? Let's look at it in different translations. In the NIV, did anyone see it in the NIV? No. NIV, it says what? Judges. No, sorry. Uh, penetrates, penetrates. I can't read. Right? Penetrates. And then let's look at the Amplify. What does it say? Exposing. So the Word of God, one of its purposes is piercing. Piercing is, is going off that analogy of sharper than any two-edged sword. So what does a sword do? It pierces. But what's the purpose of that piercing? Is to penetrate or to expose. So there's this idea of going deeper, Right? Something that's deeper inside that it's trying to get at. Well, what is it trying to get deeper at? Well, it says division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Well, I'm not sure what it, that is, but it seems like there's some kind of parallel there. Soul and spirit, joints, marrow, thoughts and intentions. And I'm going to draw like a little dotted line just as future reference. I'm just going to come back to that later because there's something about that. Well, let's look at soul and spirit. Why, why does it need to pierced to the division of soul and spirit. Well, what are these things describing? What, is, what makes up or what contains a soul and a spirit joints and marrow? People, right? People have these attributes. So it must be about a person. And there's a lot of conjecture. And you know, sometimes when you really get stuck on something, you can look up commentary and see what other people are saying. So when I looked at some of the commentary, you know, there were some people that were saying soul means natural things, whereas spirit means spiritual things. Other commentaries said, you know, joints and marrow it refers to something that's hard, even though joints aren't that hard, um, versus marrow, which is soft. But regardless of what the exact analogy is, one thing that we can agree on is 
these things, whether it's natural, spiritual, hard, or soft, is something deep inside that's not immediately visible, what, on the surface level, right? It's, it's not the surface, but it's deep inside. Inside. I cannot spell again. Some, some, something happens when you come up here. You can't spell, you can't read, you can't talk. It goes deeper, right? Like joints, you can't see joints on the outside. Like when doctors do your joints checkup, what do they have to do? They have to do x-rays, they have to do like uh, CT scans, they have to do MRIs. You know, they're not immediately visible. Can you see that person's soul? You're like, oh, I'm looking into your soul, right? Like you can't see anything, you're just looking into the iris and the, the cornea, you know, their eyes, you're like, I see your soul. You're like, no, you don't. You know, it, it's something deeper inside of us that's not immediately accessible. It's not immediately obvious. And, and this is a, a question for some of us, because the question is, what's, why go deep? What, why does the Word of God need to go deep? Uh, this is, let me ask you in a form of a question. Like, how many of us, we've experienced surface-level transformation? Like, how many of us, we want to experience surface-level transformation? Like, even, even that, that phrase itself, surface-level transformation, is almost, like, ironic, right? Like, what is surface-level transformation? You know, like, no one wants to experience surface-level transformation. We all want to experience deep transformation. We all want to go deep. We want it to be sustaining. We want it to be lasting. So if we stay at the surface level, we're not going to experience the deep change that we want to experience. And that's the problem with some of us. We're so comfortable with being on the surface level. We're so comfortable with being in, 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 in a way where we don't really have to go deeper to the deep things that are uncomfortable for us. Where, where, where we have to share in like a life group Bible study the deeper things that are going on in our heart. Like we, we share, like this is what we do. We share just enough that's quote unquote deep where we're comfortable and then all the stuff that we're uncomfortable with, we, we hide. And as long as we shared something deep enough, we say, okay, at least I did my duty. Right? We, we turn Bible study into something of a performance rather than something that actually goes deep inside of us. It reveals something. And what's the problem with this? Like so many of us, we experience a Christian life that has been plateauing. And the only time you go deep, like what are the only times you really feel like you experience God in a powerful way that's transformative? Is it like a retreat or like a missions project? Right? It's like one of those like big like show performances where there's like lights and music and like Dave's on the stage going, ah. You know, like, and he's going crazy, and you're like, wow, the spirit is here, you know, I'm changing from the inside out. <clears throat> but that's the problem, is that because it's only in those contexts will we say, you know what, God, you're o- it's okay to go deep. It's okay to share some of those things that are deep inside that I've never shared with anyone before. Where we don't realize that actually the word of God wants to go deep every single time you enter into a time of reading God's word. Every single time we come and we have life group or we have LCG, you're sharing with your LCG. I'm like, oh, how was, how was life today? Oh, everything was good. That's all right. Life is good. Yeah, I'm reading the word. It's living and active in my life, and, you know, I'm changing. <laughs> right? Like, and nothing beyond that. We say it's so superficial that we miss out on the things that God wants to do in our hearts, in our lives. When's the last time you went deep? When's the last time you shared things that you've never shared before? You've just expressed it, and you said, God, like, God, your word, you has to do something. Well, that's not it. Let's continue on 
that last phrase, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Did anyone find uh, verse references for discerning in the NIV? What does it say? This is where it says judges, right? I, I, jumped, I jumped the gun. Judges. How about the amplified version? Exposing. That's right. Exposing. So discerning is actually judging or exposing. Well, before we get into what that means, let's look up other translations of the words thoughts and intentions. What are, what are thoughts and intentions? What does it say about um, intentions in the NIV? Attitudes. Yep. In the ERV, this is the easy-to-read version. This is like for your kids. Feelings. Feelings. And then how about the New Living Translation? What does it translate that whole phrase as? Yeah, innermost thoughts and desires. So we begin to see that the word, one of the purposes of the Word of God is to judge, is to expose, is to discern the attitudes, the feelings, the innermost thoughts and desires of the heart, which is consistent with what we just talked about, piercing the division of soul and spirit. It's something about going deeper. It's something about discovering something inside. And when we think about judging, it's not, it's not judging in the sense of condemning, but it's revealing, it's exposing, it's taking what's deeper and bringing it to the surface. Right? It's not enough just to go deep, but you have to go deep, find something, and bring it up so that you have to deal with it. It's not a passive thing. It's not just like a search you know, like, imagine if you were to send out a crew to rescue people who are, like, dying, right? What if you just had a search mission? And that's all you did. You just found them. And then you didn't do anything after that. Right? That would be, that doesn't make sense. It's a search and rescue mission. You have to find something deep inside, and you have to bring it to the surface. You have to deal with it. Because there's so many things that are going on deep inside. So what are we searching for? What are we discovering? It's the thoughts and intentions of what? Of the heart. That's the key word, the heart. The heart is so important. And it, you know, what's really interesting is that the heart, it has thoughts and it has intentions. I don't know if you ever thought about your heart having thoughts and intentions before, right? Like, that, that you don't even know about. Like, there's some things deep inside that you didn't even realize were there, but they just come out once in a while. Like, you, you have these fits of anger or these frustrations or, or just like this random, like, sadness that just comes over you, like, once a month. You know, and it's not like your monthly thing for guys. It's like your, your emo once a month kind of thing. It just comes. And you're like, why is this going on? <clears throat> and I was just like thinking about like, you know, Pixar movies? Like Pixar, they, they like, they turn everything into feelings, right? Like animals have feelings. Cats have feelings. Babies have feelings. Toys have feelings. And then they came out with this movie Inside Out, right? Inside. Feelings have feelings. You know, you're like, whoa, mind blown. Right? Like, wow. And then... I know there's something about that movie that we all like connected with, right? You're like, mm, yeah, that, was, that spoke to me. Like, you're like, the gospel's in there. It was such a good movie. Everyone should watch it, right? But what does it really reveal to us about? There's something deep in our hearts that's going on, like, you know, like anger and frustration and joy and sadness. Like, there's something deep inside that we don't even realize that exists there. Feelings, thoughts, intentions, desires that are there that we haven't seen. And it all comes from the heart. Well, when, as soon as you mention the word heart, there's so many Bible passages and references that talk about the heart that will be important for us to look up. 
I'm going to look up a couple and show you here where they come from. Hopefully it comes up. Yeah, okay. Proverbs 4, uh, verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance from from it flows the springs of life. Some of you know this in the other translation. Out of your heart is the what? Wellspring of life. So it's the source of life. Your, out of your heart comes the source of life, wellspring. And then what, what's next? Hebrews, we're just going to turn one chapter back from Hebrews 4 to Hebrews 3, verses 8 to 12. And we're going to see it says, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So there's a hardness of hearts that can happen. Uh, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts. So your heart can go astray. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So our heart can be evil and unbelieving. We have to be, we have to be conscious of that. That our heart's not always full of like joy and happiness and right things and like desiring God, but there's some sin in our hearts that causes us to realize, you know what? Our hearts are evil and unbelieving. If you don't believe me, one more verse, Jeremiah 17.9. Let's read it together if you can see it here. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? See, your heart, deceitful, desperately sick. Who can understand it? And if we start to look at this, we realize, you know what? The heart is so complicated. There's so many layers that are going. It's like an onion, right? You peel one layer and then more comes out. And then it, it, it's, it is the, it's so important because it's the wellspring of life. Everything comes from your heart. And if everything comes from your heart, then, then we have to be careful because your heart could be what? It could be hardened. It could be led astray. It could be evil and unbelieving. It's deceitful. It's sick. Who can understand it? And that's why we have to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's why we need the word to judge and expose the heart. That's why we have to understand the innermost feelings and intentions of the heart. Because it's desperately sick. Because there's nothing in this world that can understand the heart except for what? God's word. It's only God's word that can bring those things deep down that you don't understand, that you're unconscious of, to the surface. To say, you know what, this is where my heart is. And this is how everything connects back together. We dug into each verse and each word, but we realize, you know what, because the heart is like this, because it's, we have to discern, because that's what the Word of God does, why is, now, now the question is, why is this passage here? Why is it so important for the Word to be powerful, for it to be working, for it to be dangerous, for it to be effective, for it to go deeper, to discover something in our heart, to expose it and to bring it up so that we know what the intentions and thoughts of our heart are. Why? Because if we remember in verse 11, everything is about what? Entering God's rest. Having eternal life. Because he warns us in verse 11 that you may not fall by the same sort of disobedience. And what does that disobedience come from? Lack of faith, which is what? unbelief. So it connects here, unbelief, deceitfully sick, unbelieving. So we see that the Word of God, why is it so important here? 
It's because if we do not have the Word of God, then we will be just like the Israelites of old. We will be just like that generation who sinned against God. They were wandering through the wilderness. They could not enter the promised land. That whole generation died because they did not have faith and they have an unbelieving heart. And there's a warning for us. Some of us, we've been going to church our whole lives. We're like, oh, I'm Christian. Like, I go to church. I said the sinner's prayer. I know Jesus died on the cross for me for my sins, and now I have eternal life, and I trust in him. But that does the rest of your life reflect that? Have you gone to the depths of your heart to see every unbelief that's in there that could possibly disqualify you? Because you're here walking around every single day saying, oh, I'm Christian, I'm good, I, you know, everything is all right. And then you get to the end of your life, and you're like, I don't love God. Life has been so hard. There's so many struggles, so many obstacles, things that come up where you one day, because of the unbelief in your heart, you say, you know what, God, I can't, I can't follow you anymore. It's not worth it. The same faith I had when I was young, it's not going to last you. It's not gonna, I, I don't see how it's continuing to, to last me in this time because it's just so impossible. And then you get to heaven, and then God asks you, like, oh, why should you let me in? Oh, because I went to church every Sunday. That's the wrong answer. He's going to ask you, did you believe in me? in every area of your life. And the only way you're going to be able to know that for certain is if the Word of God, you believe it's powerful, it's effective, it's going deeper in your life. It's uncovering the sources of unbelief in your life. And it's helping you to realize, you know what, God? I don't believe you in everything that I, I say I do. But I want to. I want to believe you that you're true and you're right and you're good in my workplace, because right now it's so hard. It's so hard, like Chinese New Year is like the hardest time, right, because what? Like, you have to get everything done before Chinese New Year hits. And then afterward, you have to catch up on everything that happened, that, that, or that didn't happen during Chinese New Year, and you're like, oh my God, why is there so much work going on? Like, God, how are you working here? And like, what happens if you lose your job one day? Are you gonna be praising and worshiping God? Or is that going to be a source of unbelief in your life? Let's say your kids don't turn out the way that you want them to. Let's say they develop a mental illness. Let's say they flung out of school. Let's say they get into the wrong crowd. Are you still going to believe God is who he says he is? Because the word is exposing the unbelief that's in your heart. Save the best for last students, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I feel like all the problems that students deal with are like nothing compared to what single working adults and families go through. But yes, I know not getting a perfect 4.0 GPA is hard. Not getting that exchange program is hard. Not getting that internship is hard. And what are you going to do if things don't go your way? Cry? Are you going to say, forget life group, forget LCG, forget God? And you think you're doing well, now why? Because we have all the structure, life group there, your life group leaders are constantly messaging you, hey, how are you doing? I'm praying for you, but oh, wow, I feel so loved and cared for. God is so good. But just wait until you graduate. I have so many friends who they were leaders in student time. As soon as they graduated, what did they do? They fell away. You think that you're prepared for what's to come. But you don't even know there's so much unbelief in your heart that God wants to deal with. And only by his word 
can we deal with that? It's only if we allow God's word to go deep into our heart and work out some of the things that we do not understand that we can really understand God and continue to believe and have faith for him for the rest of our lives. That's why, like when I was thinking, when you put all this together, you can make some conclusions. And, you know, I think one thing that's helpful when you study the word is to summarize it. And that's why, you know, as pastors, we give you a one thing. I don't know how many of you remember that one thing, right? But just to consolidate and summarize everything so that when you look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, that was what God was speaking to me about. And so for me, when I'm looking here, I'm, I'm saying, okay, God, his characteristic, his word is powerful and it's purposeful for what? To help us work through our unbelief and our faith. So when I look at this, I'm going to just write it down. I'm going to say God's word has the power and the purpose to give us faith. And I'm going to highlight and underline power and purpose because those are the things I need to remember. Right? And if you're going to create a sermon from this, what's point one? God's word is powerful, right? We're going to use those P's and alliteration. And the number two, what? God's word is what? Say it together. Purposeful. Right? And there you have a sermon. Now, any of you can come up and preach it yourself. Right? And that's my hope. It's not rocket science. It's not something that you have to have a degree in seminary to somehow discover. But God's word is accessible to every single one of us. And I'm hoping and praying that as we dig in, as we try, and I know, like, I don't expect any of you to be able to produce this tomorrow. But this took me years and years of practice, of studying God's Word and reading it. Like, honestly, like, we've been doing the BRP for almost 10 years now. That means I've read through the whole Bible, well, recently been doing two-year BRP. But I've read through the Bible in its entirety maybe like seven or eight times now. And it's only when you read the Bible and you, you begin to dis- dissect it and it really soaks into your life that you begin to see these connections and you realize what? Everything points to whom? Jesus Christ. And that's when the cross becomes so much more meaningful for every single one of us. That's when his word begins to reflect the glory and the joy of his word that brings real life. And that's when the Christian life doesn't become this static, this like, like, apathetic, this plateauing kind of thing, but it's an exhilarating experience every time you say, you know what, God? You're speaking to me. You're working in my life. You have a purpose for me, and you're doing something that I've never experienced before. And that's why, yeah, that's why the one thing is God's word has the power and the purpose to give us faith. Um, I I just want to close with with some next steps to give us some um, just tangible things that we can do for the future that uh, will help us. And I just want to encourage us to start off small, okay? Baby steps and, and build on that. And, it, and it's not going to happen overnight, but as you dissect, as you go into God's word, then it's really, I, I really pray that it will just click or blossom in your mind and be like, wow, God, that was so amazing. So the next steps, I'm just going to go through a couple of them. Number one is carve out one hour to study a short passage from the Bible this week. Like, if you do not do something this week, you will not do it. Trust me. You're going to go over Chinese New Year, and you're going to forget everything. Just carve out one hour. I know as many of us are fasting. You're going to take a meal out. Like, I know some of us, we take a meal out, and we don't do anything. We just do more work. Like, ex-nay on the no work thing kind of thing, okay? Like, just focus on 
one Bible passage and just look into it for an hour, print it out, get some colored pens or whatever, and just go ham. Do whatever you can. Just look into it. And if you don't get anything, then ask someone else to do it with you. Ask your life leader. Ask your LCG, hey, can you do this with me? Carve out one hour. Second thing, challenge yourself to read the Bible one step deeper and get accountability for that. The reason why I said one step deeper is because one step deeper may mean many different things for you. Some of us, we've never, ever read the Bible consistently. I want to challenge us, start with five minutes a day, one passage. Just five minutes. You can spare five minutes a day. Some of us, we've been doing soap consistently every single day. What's your one step deeper? Maybe you need to take one of those days, instead of just reading it for 10 minutes, you actually dwell on it for like 30 minutes. And instead of just reading through it, you actually print it out and you start highlighting it. And make that a weekly routine because you're like, yeah, I, God, I want to go deeper in your word. Third thing and last thing is commit to reading and praying through the Psalms for the remainder of the one desire fast. And I know some of us are fasting. And I don't know why, but we, we, like, we separate like reading the Bible and prayer and fasting. We think they're totally different things. But in, in, in reality, they're all to be integrated. And last week, we talked about Jesus fasting in the wilderness. And what did he do? Did he just pray, God, help me, save me from Satan's temptations? No. What did he do? He quoted scripture. So it's as you're fasting, it's as you're praying that you integrate scripture into that process. The best way to do that, like I was sharing last week, is go through the Psalms. Literally just take a Psalm a day. Read through it. And then on your off time, we have a five-minute break, then go back to that Psalm, read through it again. The second, third, fourth, five, fifth time you read through it, new things will come out. And you'll be like, wow, I never saw this before. Because this word is what? Living and active. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If we believe that, then God's word is going to come alive to us in a way that we've never experienced it before. So with those things, I'm really hoping and praying that we're going to do that together. I know that we don't have much time and but can we just stand together? Let's just respond. Just close out. there's a lot of um, like kind of information transfer as well as uh, just trying to exert you to really go deeper in God's word. And I picked Hebrews 4.12 because it's kind of like inception, right? It's like uh, showing you how to study the word with a verse that's about studying God's word, you know? It's like hopefully you got that double whammy there and you're like, oh shoot, you know, God's like piercing you, your heart right now with those daggers. And I don't, know, I don't know if you feel it, but it's, it's true. Like, the reason why, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but response time, the worship times after the sermon is usually what? Better than the beginning. I wonder why. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Why? It's because God's word does something in our hearts to make us more open to want to respond to God. It's not just because sermon illustrations and stories were funny. Like, that has nothing to do with it. It's God's word. It's how he goes deep. It reveals things, and you start to get convicted, and you're like, God, you're speaking to me. 
Because you're not responding to me as the pastor, right? You're not like coming up here and be like, hey, Pastor Bo, I have like something to tell you. No, you're responding to God. Why? Because God spoke to you. And I'm praying that, man, as we experience that right now, we see God's word speaking to us and revealing the things in our heart. We respond to God to say, God, I want more of your word. I hope we say that, God, we want more of your word because your word brings life. The only thing that brings life. Without God's word, we have nothing. And if you think that you can live this Christian life without God's word, you are sorely mistaken. And you will fall. You think everything's good now, you will fall. And I pray no matter where you go, who knows how long you're going to be at HMCC. But my heart is that you learn to study God's word while you're here with us. That's why we preach from the word. We don't just preach quotes. That's why in life we always have Bible study. Because I'm praying that wherever you go in your life, that you always have God's word with you. That's the only thing that's going to save you. It's Jesus Christ because his word is Jesus Christ. It's on the cross. And it's only him that's going to help you remain faithful for the rest of your life. So look, can we just respond? Can we just bow our heads and just spend some time in prayer to say, God, whatever God is speaking to you, I'm not going to give you like the prayers to pray or anything like that. We don't have much time. Can we just pray and respond? However God is speaking to you, however he's been piercing your heart, revealing things, just respond. And just talk back to God. Prayer is just talking back to God. Just respond. Just say, God, I'm, I, either I'm sorry or I'm thankful or like I, I need to change or whatever it is. Just respond to him. We'll just close out with some worship. Can we just do that for a couple moments? Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.